Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. A Little Murder. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. Forensic science is, of course, an established field of education, investigation, and research, but this wasn't always the case. Would you believe a type A socialite with a penchant for miniatures single-handedly revolutionized the field of forensic science, making it the academic and investigative powerhouse we know today? Called the godmother of forensic science, Frances Glessner Lee is who I'm talking about, and who we're talking about today. Wife, mother, socialite, Harvard educator, hobbyist, police chief, patron of the arts, and the inventor of modern forensics. Frances Glessner Lee was born in Chicago on March 25, 1878. Her father, John Jacob Glessner, was an industrialist who became wealthy from his massively successful company, International Harvester, which manufactured agricultural and construction equipment, cars, trucks, and more. As a child, Frances fell ill with tonsillitis, and her mother took her to a doctor, who prescribed a dangerous treatment for her illness. The Glessners then sought a second opinion, and Frances was advised to have surgery. So she underwent a successful surgery for tonsillitis, when at the time was a risky procedure at best. This tonsillitis journey was the beginning of Glessner Lee's lifelong fascination with medicine, mysteries, and the human body. But she was still a little girl and a budding socialite at that. Because of her parents' wealth, Glessner Lee and her brother George were both educated at home by private tutors. While George learned math, history, and languages, Frances learned the quote-unquote domestic arts from tutors and her female relatives. Think interior design, metalwork, sewing, knitting, crocheting, embroidery, and painting. And when George went to Harvard, Frances, who aspired to study law or medicine, begged her parents to go too. But to the Glessners, Quote, a lady didn't go to school, and they refused to allow her to attend a university. Frustrated, the teenage Frances dug into what she loved on her own terms. She loved mysteries, especially Sherlock Holmes, and gravitated to literature and art with dark themes, murders, and unsolved endings. 
One summer, Francis's brother brought a college classmate to vacation with the Glassners in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, where they went every year. The college student's name was George Burgess McGrath. McGrath, then a medical student, was particularly interested in the investigation of death through the lens of the medical field. McGrath went on to have a long-lasting friendship with Francis. Their relationship helped Francis focus on her own interest in what we'd later call forensic science. While she couldn't become a doctor, it didn't stop Francis from learning more about medicine. When summering in the White Mountains, like I said, they were always up there, not much to do, local doctors allowed Francis to attend home visits with them, and she began to pick up some medical know-how and nursing skills. When she was 19 years old, Frances Glessner married up-and-coming attorney Blewett Lee, a distant relative to Robert E. Lee and general counsel for the Illinois Central Railroad. Her parents were, of course, thrilled. Lee was a great catch by their standards, and the two were pretty happy. In fact, they had three children. The Glessners thought their daughter was finally on track to what would be her destiny, the life of a socialite, doing philanthropic things, raising their kids, and supporting her husband. As part of her early domestic education towards that end, Frances learned to make miniatures, a hobby which resurfaced after her marriage. She was fascinated by the details, the storytelling of crafting. On January 1st, 1913, she built her first miniature, insanely accurate recreation of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra for her mother's 65th birthday. And I want to emphasize that this wasn't like a little diorama. It was like the Chicago Orchestra had shrunk in size, accurate, detailed to near obsessiveness, beautiful in its accuracy. How did she achieve this? Well, Lee was permitted to attend symphony rehearsals, where she wandered among the musicians, doing things like marking on each doll's bare head the hairlines and facial hair of each performer. She hand-stitched tuxedos and white dress shirts for each doll, and placed a tiny fabric carnation in each doll's lapel. The music stands, cases, and most of the instruments were custom-made by Lee, using wooden candy boxes and other household items. Others were made by craftsmen she hired for the project. The miniature piece was nearly eight feet long and included 90 dolls and chairs. Even the Chicago Symphony conductor, Frederick Stock, got involved. An intimate friend of the family, he handwrote one tiny little page of the drum major of Schneider's band, Francis's favorite song, for each tiny little music stand. It was like she got a gold medal in the Olympics of miniatures. Later, Francis would go on to famously recreate the Flanzelli Quartet in miniature, to the joy of everyone who experienced it. Though her craftsmanship came from her education, Frances's level of detail and taste probably came from her father, who was a zealous furniture collector and had the money to back it up. This all likely gave her a fantastic eye for that miniature life. Though she was in some ways finding herself creatively, her marriage wasn't working. Frances and her husband eventually separated and formally divorced in 1914. Her divorce began a new chapter for Frances Glessner Lee, and her friendship with George's classmate, George McGrath, would deepen that. At this point, McGrath was professor in pathology at Harvard Medical School and would become a chief medical examiner in Boston. Together, McGrath and Glessner Lee would lobby to have coroners, who at the time were not trained forensics medical professionals, replaced by medical examiners for overseeing homicide investigations. According to Death and Diorama, a Francis Glessner Lee biography, quote, Through her friendship with McGrath, she learned the challenges of investigating violent deaths. Coroners were not required to have medical degrees, and the police were not trained in how to gather and preserve medical evidence. As such, many murderers went free because of ignorance and poor training. And then another big transition occurred in Frances's life, one that would change her professional trajectory and forensics forever. We'll get to that after the break. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today, or visit Angie dot com. That's A N G I dot com. I picked up the phone and said hello. At first, there was just a crackling, static noise. Then a voice, which sounded like part of the static, said, "I'm not leaving." Then the line went dead. Chills went all over me, but I was determined to find out if this had a rational explanation. I went back to the other office and waited outside for Darren to arrive with the keys. A few minutes later, we were unlocking the door and inside, only to find out that the phone wasn't even plugged into the wall. This is the Haunted UK podcast, and I'm the show's host, Steve. And that was an extract from Working with the Unknown, a terrifying tale about a listener's experience in her nighttime workplace. One of the many true cases we regale and present to you on the show. So, if you enjoy a creepy tale or two, stories of real-life ghost encounters, doppelgangers, time slips. Lesser-known UK hauntings. Then join us every Friday for an episode where we frequently cross the threshold of the unknown. Hi, hello. How are you doing? Hello. We checking in. We are checking in right now, and it's looking good. <laughs> it's looking real good. Oh, yeah. yeah, you like what you see. Yeah, oh. we, you, you like. What you see, we like what we see.、Mm-hmm. Everyone's liking and everyone's seeing. That's great. It's all very positive. We want to say hello and thank you to anyone listening, supporting, spreading the good word of Ghost Town. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We thank thee. We thank thee. And introducing your favorite part of this whole <laughs> thing. Everyone's clamoring for this part. Till I talk about the government. Yeah, come on,、Fine. get to it.、Yeah. No more history and、yeah. facts and、yeah. fun. We want to say hello to a couple of mayors. That's right. And these are no miniature mayors. <laughs> these are full-grown mayors standing at six feet thirteen hundred inches. <laughs> Ashley Matson. Hello. Just kicking back and relaxing. At two hundred feet, negative a hundred and ninety feet. I'm not going to do that math. <laughs> It's Cat Joselle. <laughs> Hello. Do an air guitar at an even seven feet.、Mm, okay. Casey Weber. Hello. Bouncing at the most dangerous nightclub at five hundred feet. No wonder this person has this side job、right. beside being mayor. No fake IDs here. Kelly Meehan. Hello. N. And then our governor. 
standing on top of them all. Larger than life? Larger than life, standing Mm -hmm. on all of our shoulders, Mm -hmm. stepping on our heads, and we love it. (laughs) We love it. Step on me. Ooh, (laughs) step on me. I like it. Like that kind of thing. That's that's fun. A little kinky. Like, like okay, she she gets it. We get it. And just chilling at, we'll go, how about this? We'll go even six foot five. That's great. <laughs> no matter what position this person's in, lying mm-hmm. down, standing, sitting, flying. Constant. It's a constant. It's here. just a constant six foot five. Nice. Figure it out. Nice. Is our governor, Avian Noble. Noble. No ads, no chit chat, bonus episodes, just the good stuff. Seven days free. Try mm. it out. Listen to a bunch of bonies. Sounds good to me. You can go back and listen to hundreds of episodes with no ads or chit chat. If you're like, I missed some or I want to revisit some, but I don't want to hear this mm-hmm. or any ads. It's the place for you. Yeah, you'll love it. Head on over to patreon.com slash ghost town pod. Yeah. Let's get back to Chicago, though, um, where we have some big breakthroughs happening in the field of forensic science, which is not called that yet. So in the late 1920s, Francis Glessner Lee's parents pass away. Grim, of course. But at this point, Frances comes into her own massive inheritance. And though she didn't have the medical degree she desperately wanted, she did have money, which meant power. In 1930, she made an unprecedented donation to the Department of Legal Medicine at Harvard. In 1931, Lee also donated $250,000, that's over $5 million today, to create the country's first Department of Legal Medicine at Harvard, which gave her control of the chair appointment. And she knew just the guy for the job. Frances appointed her old friend George McGrath as chair, and the two effectively became professional business partners. By 1936, Frances and McGrath's dream of having medical examiners oversee the medical portion of investigations was underway, with Harvard at the helm of the U.S.'s medical examiner graduation and placement. However, homicides were still going unsolved because law enforcement didn't know initially how to identify or handle important medical advice at the scene of the crime. But Frances had an answer. She began the inaugurated Harvard Seminars in Homicide Investigation, later renamed the Harvard Associates in Police Science Seminars, or HAPS, where law enforcement could learn about investigations through a medical lens, and medicine could be explained, information tailored to law enforcement's needs and language. Frances Glessner Lee organized and headed the week-long seminars, in addition to managing the curriculum, which included identifying the victims, determining time of death, the role that information played in an investigation, and interrogation techniques. Typically, 25 to 30 policemen of all ranks would be invited. The week culminated in a lavish banquet, served on $8,000 dinnerware at the Ritz, creating a camaraderie and a wider network of highly trained investigators to lean on and help each other as the field began to grow. Despite being a millionaire socialite with lots of power at Harvard and beyond, Francis still battled for recognition and respect in the male-dominated field. Frances realized she had to find a way to stand out, to use the skills she did have to make an impact beyond money or influence. So she thought back on her replica making, and she had an idea. Throughout the 1930s, Lee started a major project, one that would solidify her place in history. She began to study actual police cases, reconstructing the violent crime scenes in miniature. Like her work on the symphony pieces, the details in Frances's work were remarkable, Everything from the position of the rotting bodies, to the blood spatter on the walls, to a brush or the pattern on the victim's ornate wallpaper. The rooms had working mousetraps and rocking chairs, food in the kitchens, and so much more. Even the corpses accurately represented discoloration or bloating that would be present at the crime scene. 
Because of the level of detail, each model cost about $3,000 to $4,500 to finance, about $80,000 today, and anywhere from three to five months of intensive work to create. Francis called these masterpieces the nutshell studies of unexplained death, crime scene dioramas for student analysis and education. Frances Glessner Lee took specific care in choosing the cases that she created, likely a comment on her own captivity as a mother and wife and women's limited role in society at the time. Quote, many display a tawdry, middle-class decor or show the marginal spaces society's disenfranchised might inhabit, seedy rooms, boarding houses, far from the surroundings of her own childhood. She disclosed the dark side of domesticity and its potential deleterious effects. Says historian and Glessner Lee biographer Corin May Botts, Quote, on one hand, because the nutshells depict the everyday isolation of women in the home and expose the violence there, they can be viewed as a precursor to the women's movement. Frances Glessner Lee originally presented these miniatures to the Harvard Department of Legal Medicine. Students would have 90 minutes to study the scene and craft a report of their findings. Through them, students were able to effectively learn how to canvas crime scenes to discover and analyze evidence and determine if the scene was a murder, suicide, death by natural cause, or accident. Later, the models came into the possession of the Maryland Chief Medical Examiner's Office. Earl Stanley Gardner, the writer best known for creating the Perry Mason mysteries and Francis's close friend, wrote that, quote, a person studying these models can learn more about circumstantial evidence in an hour than he could learn in months of abstract study. On October 27, 1943, Francis Glessner Lee reached a career high. For her work in forensic investigation, Frances was made an honorary captain of the New Hampshire State Police, making her the first woman to join the International Association of Chiefs of Police and hold a position of this kind. Humbly, Glessner Lee often referred to herself as a hobbyist, but obviously that was not the case. She changed the lives of so many students and by extension law enforcement, families of victims, and of course, the future of forensic investigation. Said journalist Earl Banner, quote, Mrs. Lee was unquestionably one of the world's most astute criminologists. She was acquainted with and respected by top criminologists all over the world. Frances Glessner Lee passed away on January 27, 1962, at 84 years old. A few years after her death, Harvard's Department of Legal Medicine dissolved for financial reasons, but don't worry, Lee's dioramas were then transferred to the Maryland office of the chief medical examiner, preserved there and refurbished in the 1990s. Despite all the technology we now have, the miniatures still live and continue to be used as references and training tools in forensic seminars and at many medical examiners' offices and at the Harvard University Associates in Police Science Department. Right now, they are being held at the Smithsonian and are periodically displayed at their art museum in Washington, D.C. As the nutshells are still active training tools, the solutions to each remain hidden from public knowledge. However, the crime scene reports, written by Lee to accompany each case, are often presented alongside each miniature when they're on display to encourage visitors to approach forensics in a curious, critical, and inventive way, just like Frances Glessner Lee did and those who follow in her footsteps. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience 
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.